Hello, beautiful people. This is The Mental Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Zuckman. And on The Mental Podcast, we talk about all of the ways there are to get better for mental illness. Um, in this country, and really around the world, we are still in a real infantile state in talking about mental illness. And people don't know all of the ways that there are to recover. The truth is, a lot of times, our own doctors don't know about all of the options. So if you're a person who's looking to recover, if you're a person looking to manage, um, you know, maybe you've been treating your mental illness for a while and you're just not where you want to be and you're looking for new ideas, or maybe you're a person who started treatment and it's just going sideways and you don't know where to go next, or, you know, maybe you're just dealing with moderate depression, but... You know, the, the traditional talk therapy and meds just doesn't feel like uh, something you want to use for a first line of treatment. Um, you know, this you might find some conversations that are valuable here. Um, we are a nonprofit project. You can learn all about what we're doing and see all of our content over at mentalhealthmedia.org, where you can see us cover everything from recovering from childhood trauma and all of the different trauma therapies um, to nutrition, meditation, um, all of the kind of evidence-based, scientifically robust um, treatments that really work but still are somehow considered alternative in some circles. I don't really get it, but... Um, the purpose of this project is to let patients have all of the options to educate people about all of the different things that work. And one thing that really works for me and works for a lot of people is fitness, right? And we know study after study after study comes out, fitness really makes a big difference in depression. But the really big disconnect for a lot of patients, myself included, is that the articles written around fitness are all in this like kind of, I don't know, toxic positivity, I guess some people would say, kind of movement where it's get up and go. And if you don't work out every day, you're a loser. And just this kind of weird overwork, American hyper workaholic kind of vibe. And if you're depressed, that is like the last thing that you need. So our guest today, Mr. Vancouver, Tall Paul, is a fitness instructor. He's a trainer, um, a former draft kit, draft pick of the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, it's not the Toronto Maple Leafs because we wouldn't have them on the podcast. This is an Islanders-only podcast. But the Toronto Blue Jays, baseball player, um, and he does training from a perspective of a patient because he is a patient. He knows what it's like to be depressed. He knows what it's like to be too depressed that you can't even get out of bed, right? And how many times do we get health advice from our parents, from our cousins, from our aunts, our brothers, our uncles, our sisters of, well, you know, you're depressed. You could uh, you try running. You try yoga. And... Um, it's not that those things don't like really help a lot of people. It's the fact that people are really ignorant and reductionist in their advice um, that it, it makes it makes us not even want to work out because the advice is so ludicrous. Because when you're too depressed to get out of bed, guess what? You can't work out. Um, and we all know that as patients. So when people just try to pile on uh, really bad advice, it makes us think that working out is just not a good idea. So that's why we got Tall Paul. Tall Paul is a wellness guy, right? But he comes from a place not of like this toxic positivity, workaholism, garbage, 
Tawpaw comes from a place of like camaraderie and love and nurturance and acceptance and vulnerability and like just being fucking cool, not being an asshole. Like so much of this wellness stuff has like a happy face and then like right behind the happy face is just like a big middle finger, I feel like. So I wanted to have Tawpaw on the pod because he's not that. He is a trainer for us, the patients. He knows what it's like because he's been through it himself. Um, so when he gives advice, it's like, you know, it comes from a place of understanding, not a place of, like, judgment and just fucking horribleness. And if you're dealing with a, a severe mental illness or even, like, moderate depression, the last thing we need is to be judged even more because we already feel like we've been judged so much. Imagine what fitness would be like if you could walk into fitness and not feel judged and just, like, people would accept you for what, you know, where you were at and, like, gave you reasonable goals that, like... Anyway, I digress. But we also talk about um, Tall Paul's experience with MDMA therapy, which um, is also interesting. Uh, MDMA is ecstasy in its purest form. Um, it is in clinical three trials right now. Um, the protocol that Tall Paul used is different than what is in the clinical trials. Tall Paul did one session. The clinical trials. Um, from what I understand, are three sessions. I believe it's six weeks apart. Those clinical trials are being done by the MAPS organization, and they are very confident that MDMA therapy, similar to what Tall Paul is, is talking about here, um, will be legalized and available to the public within the next few years. So this um, podcast is definitely not um, condoning doing any illegal activity. MDMA is still a Schedule I drug. Um, that will probably be changing in the next few years, if not the next decade. Um, and I imagine that MDMA therapy is going to be available soon. But um, I guess it's a good time for our disclaimer that nothing on the podcast is medical advice or medical care. You know, um, I'm not a doctor. This is just two patients shooting the shit about their experiences. And some people are curious about MDMA therapy. If you want to know what's coming down, um, you know, the pipeline, this is something that is coming down the pipeline and something similar to it will probably be available very soon. That said, um, until there's more information available, it's not a therapy that I would do. It's probably not a therapy I would do underground um, like Tall Paul um, did um, just for a bunch of different safety reasons, also especially being uh, a bipolar person. Um, any kind of speedy thing uh, like MDMA can make you super manic, so another reason that I would be personally cautious. Um, but uh, in general, if you're someone, you know, maybe you're just like, you know, you're waiting for this time because you have tried literally everything um, for your depression. You know, this is something you might want to check out or just for people that are curious about what's coming down the pipeline. Um, Paul has seen the future. So um, who doesn't want to see the future? I want to see it. Paul's been there. So we're going to talk to him um, about it. If you do find the conversation valuable, please, please, please make a contribution to our GoFundMe um, over at mentalhealthmedia.org. All donations are tax deductible, and uh, every contribution helps us keep this podcast going, keeps the website up, keeps our social media feeds going, and keeps this educational project alive while we secure um, our funding and our executive team. Um, but we really need your help. Otherwise, we, um, we're going to have to 
put the project on hiatus while we secure uh, more funds. The GoFundMe really helps us um, as, a, as a placeholder so we can make content um, as we're developing other parts of the project. So if you like these podcasts coming every week to you and you like our social media feeds um, over at, uh, at Zookman, Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N, just about all of the news in uh, mental health treatment and, and neuroscience and brain science and, and uh, trauma therapies, if you like all that, please support us however you can, even if that's a dollar, five dollars, the little stuff adds up. Or, uh, you know, if you are a, an executive person um, and, and you see value in this project, please drop me an email from the website. We need your help to figure out how to turn this into a sustainable reality and a educational resource that can go for many, many years. Because the mental health crisis is at epidemic levels, as everybody knows. What people don't really know is that there's a lot of treatments that work that people don't know about. That, uh, you know, maybe they have a 500-word article in the Huffington Post, and then they're kind of forgotten. And uh, some practitioners know about them, but most of them don't really. So there's no one place to go on the Internet to look at all of the um, evidence-based, scientifically robust treatments that work for mental illness. If you go online and you, you look at, you know, uh, most of our nonprofits today, you see a few therapies that don't work for everybody. And it's a real problem because a lot not everybody gets better on those therapies. And even if they do get better a little bit on those therapies, they still don't have the life um, that they want. Suicide is at an epidemic proportion right now. And the, in my opinion, the easiest way to make a dent in that problem is to let people know about all the ways there are to get better. A lot of people give up because they think they're out of options. I almost gave up because I thought I was out of options. Please help us educate people to know what's out there so they know recovery is possible, so they know that there are more things to try. It's so important. So that said, go to mentalhealthmedia.org. Throw a, a dollar in the hat if you can, or more if you have it. Um, if you don't have a dollar, if, or, or even if you do, you know, also please just share the heck out of this project. Tell your friends, share the podcast. Every little bit of traction gives us a better chance of holding on and creating um, this project to be a sustainable reality, a sustainable educational resource um, for every patient in the world. Or... Uh, every patient that speaks English until we can translate it <laughs> into all of the other languages. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, with that said, I bring you Mr. Vancouver, Tall Paul. All right. We are here with Tall Paul. Tall Paul, it says on your Twitter bio or your Twitter handle, Mr. Vancouver. Are you really Mr. Vancouver? No, Jesse, I'm not. But no one's come to take it from me. So I'm self-proclaimed, I guess you could say. You're yourself proclaimed. You're Mr. Mental Health Vancouver, perhaps. Mm, oh, that's hey, man, that's that's really what I should go for. I was really just going for the uh, key tags so that I could rank higher on Twitter in my city. But maybe I should throw Mr. Mental Health Vancouver. Now, now I'm thinking. Or we could create our own contest. You know, we could make this happen. We could have uh, a calendar, maybe. <laughs> we, maybe we yeah. could include the entire Pacific Northwest, so I have a shot, too. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not just 12 photos of me. Yeah, I, I think that's a... <laughs> that's, I like that idea better. Okay, we'll do a Cascadia, um, Mr. Mental Health, 
we got we got that uh, going. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about that after the call. We'll see what, if we could do. And in the meantime, if you have uh, if you have some nice looking man pictures and you want to be Mister Mental Health Cascadia, send them over to me over at Zookman on Twitter or Tall Paul. What's your handle, uh, Tall Paul? Tall Paul's life. Tall Paul's life. We want to see all your sexy pictures for uh, Mister Cascadia Mental Health. Don't hold uh, back. Don't hold back. We need all the attention we can get. This is an important issue. We are in a crisis. We got to do the thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes sex sells. That's what I hear. Sometimes. Uh, I think it's all the time sex sells. It depends what you can back it up with. Right, right, right. And you've got the you've got the goods, um, my friend. Um, you're you're able to draw a lot of attention just by being uh, the sexiest man in the Pacific Northwest on Twitter. Well, there we go. I thank you for saying that. I'm just uh, I'm just tall. I think I think that's it. But who knows? But uh, you do a lot of work. You, modeling is part time of what you do. Um, you do uh, a lot of mental health advocacy. Um, you're a personal trainer. What else do people should people know about you? Uh, you might catch me on a couple of commercials here and there. Um, yeah, but other than that, no. It's just I like to. Uh, I de- personal training is my number one income at the moment. That's for sure. I've been doing it for ten years. I have an athletic background where I actually got drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays out of high school in baseball. And I've turned that and completely changed all that to the gym and writing blogs just to kind of help people out, uh, understand how to work out better and also maybe understand their bodies more when they're in a down situation. And this is an important thing um, that a lot of people don't talk about because, you know, the truth is we are just in such an infancy when it comes to talking about mental health. People don't know what they're talking about. The conversation, it's like it's not even juvenile. It's like six month level. People do not know what they're talking about. So the first thing that you say online, in your family, in your workplace, if you say, you know, I'm struggling with depression, people say, "Well, well, go work out and that'll take care of it. With really no nuance, no information, no uh, specifics, because people don't know. Um, but you know. So what do you do? If you are in a total depression, how do you even start working out? Because what people say is, you know what? I can't even get out of bed. You want me to be lifting uh, you know, 50 pounds, 100 pounds over my head. How's that going to happen? 100%. Well, let's take it even one step farther. Like, how many people are trying to work out when they don't have mental health issues and not getting it? Like, right. And we're, that's as not easy. Civilization, we're already behind the eight ball with it. So if you have stuff going on and you're not feeling good, like, holy crap, just heap it on. Um, and that's, that's the hard part. Uh, so the biggest thing what I try to do is I try to inform people how to do it when they're feeling good. Really. It's, it's, uh, and that's hard to do because, you know, I'll never have a mental health issue. So why do I have to work out? No, we don't, no one's going to come, but it might come down the road. If someone's in a bad place, I, I really won't try to tell them to get in the gym. That's, and if, if they've never done it before, right then you kind of have to be, what's the easiest, quickest step that you can take two minutes from now and get going. So essentially it's just go outside, go for a walk. If you have run before, go for a run. If you have hills or mountains around you, go for a hike. It is really just get moving. Get moving, put your phone away, 
listen to nature, maybe listen to a podcast, but start with that and do that if you're in your bad place and just keep doing that until hopefully one day you're going to feel a little bit better. When you're on kind of an upswing and we all, I, I would find myself ups and downs. I wouldn't be completely depressed 24 seven, seven months in a row. I'd be in bad places. I'd be in okay places. I'd be good one day. I'd be back down again. I would then make someone or myself go, okay, you know what? I got a good day today. Let me try to take this first step into, you know, signing up for a gym. It's not going to be that daunting. I feel like I'm in a good place. Let me get this first step in and just take it step by step. Don't, uh, don't overdo it all in one day. And then what happens if you overdo it, you just start making yourself depressed because you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve in that 24 hour period. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind absolutely. Of a, a vicious cycle. And this is, this is what I tell, I mean, this is what I do. Not even just tell people, this is what I do. I, I mean, I have been working out um, to deal with mental health stuff for, for, for two years. I got a, a very late start athletically, although, you know, I shot, um, television you know in like a handheld news doc and like some really hairy and dangerous uh situations which is its own kind of athletics because yeah, you literally have a you know 30 pounds on your shoulder in your you know 10 12 14 hours a day that's an endurance sport on its own but regardless i i never got muscle mass until you know really recently and i work out almost every day but when i get that darkness I don't even try. Um, for me, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work like it's going to get me out of the darkness. What it does, it gives me a, what I find is it gives me a better chance of having a good day tomorrow. If I have a good day today and I work out, there's a better chance that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to have a better day tomorrow. I'm going to get that endorphin hit. I'm going to, you know, cause feeling good cascades, into other things. If I work out and then I have that rush and I feel good, you know what? Then I'm going to go socialize. Then I might meet a girl. Then I might, you know, meet an old friend because I have that, you know, moment, that forward, upward momentum. And that's where fitness really works for me. Plus, you know, I'm sure it makes my downs not as intense just because my body's working, you know, I'm sure that's true as well. But, you know, I don't, I don't, suggest it in the same way the same conclusion that you've come to if someone's like down deep into it the last thing they need to hear is well why don't you get to the gym man up go get go do go do what i do in the gym it's like that doesn't help anybody <laughs> no no I, I i'm glad you said that i uh honestly i don't think i've ever heard anyone else say that that what they do that day is helping them forward to tomorrow uh, it's not a lot of people look at that aspect and that's kind of how I look at everything. I look at that with my gym. I look at that with my business. I look at that with my meals. I look at, you know, this isn't going to heal what's happening right now, but it might heal me four hours from now. It will heal me uh, 24 hours from now. If I do this and I finish this blog, which has been killing me because I haven't done it in seven days and I'm getting some anxiety because of it. And if I'm doing all these things, maybe if I finish something first, like clean my bathroom, because I know that has also been giving me anxiety, but I can do that in five, 10 minutes. And once I've checked that off the list, damn, that feels good. I'm glad I did that. It didn't take that long. You know what? This blog probably won't take long either. And to be honest with you, it doesn't. After an hour or two, I've done it. But it's checking those small, small wins. And 
once you've gotten used to the gym, it can be a small win. Starting off, it's not small. It's a very big one, but it's a win in its own sake. But just going to there, achieving something can help catapult you up to the next level and then the next level and then the next level. And uh, and for what it's worth, I do not like the gym. I try to stay away from the gym. It's hard in the Pacific Northwest because we're entering the rainy season and I will probably oh, yeah. have to join somewhere. But uh, my, the, what I do is because I don't like the gym. And I think a lot of people who, who suffer from anxiety and depression, you know, maybe the gym isn't the place uh, – you know, their number one favorite spot. What I do is I keep a couple of kettlebells in my car and I use the parks, uh, as my gym. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take my cat sometimes, or I'll just, you know, pull over to one of the parks. I keep some shorts. I'll go to the bathroom, change into my shorts and, you know, get a nice view of the lake and just do my kettlebell routine, you know, um, for, for 30, 45 minutes. And, uh, it's cheap, and then I don't have to deal with anybody's uh, anybody's stinkiness. I don't have to deal with, uh, you know, some ultra-competitive uh, guys, you know, flexing and, you know, looking at themselves in the mirror. I mean, that's okay. It's kind of fun, but it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, there are ways to do it that's not just the gym. Um, you are the quintessential and, Pacific Northwester, my friend, doing that. Oh, my gosh. No, the Pacific, that would be kayaking or uh, <laughs> biking. On top of that, that would be like your warm up or else you would kayak to the place to go do your kettlebells and then go hike a mountain as your final cardio. That that would probably be. That, yeah, hiking. People are into that. I, haven't, I don't um, see a lot of kettlebells. In the gym, out of the gym, I don't see, uh, we have uh, a kettlebell, we have two kettlebell gyms here uh, in Seattle, but well, uh Overall, outside of that, I don't see it. It's because it's a very one thing. It's it's one of the best things. I wish everyone could do it, especially people with mental health problems, because it is by far the most efficient, fast, um, most muscle building, cardio burning, calorie burning workout you can do. Unfortunately, there's a lot going on and you need to get taught properly or take your time. And there's a lot of problems for issues. So unfortunately, the really good workouts are the ones that you should get a trainer for three months. And everyone mm-hmm. should get a trainer for three months. Invest in your body and yourself. And it 100%. will give you the best output long term. Uh, it's hard to tell people that because they'd rather buy a pair of shoes or buy a car or invest in something other than themselves. Unfortunately, it's really what happens. But um, if you get with someone who knows it and they can teach you Olympic lifting or kettlebell work, you will be uh you'll be set for life if you just do that for three months that was my big turning point because um you know long story short i got put on a million meds and my uh my body just went to went to total shit i was in bed literally for three years with complications um from medication and just uh you know my immune system just tanking because i didn't sleep for quite a few years and once i was like starting to build my body i would go to the gym and i would hurt myself i'd go to the gym and hurt myself but to be honest that happened before I was in that shape. I hadn't, I've never been successful in the gym of not hurting myself. But what going to – I went to a personal trainer who's also a physical therapist who also does like uh, uh, ART muscle uh, awesome. fascial release work. Oh, yeah. And that's a good stuff. He, he would – yeah, which was amazing because I had all of these knots from my camera mm-hmm. career. You know, just oh, all yeah. these chronic problems from, you know, putting – a weight on one shoulder for a long time, all day, dehydrated. I mean, that 
will mess you do that for you know a decade and a half and that has a toll on your body so and then i was bedridden so then i had all these other problems so just building that up i, I couldn't go to the gym i didn't know what to do so i had this gentleman anthony over at uh northwest sports rehab he would tell me exactly what to do i had a physical i got a physical therapist and he told me exactly what to do he would look at my body and he would say i want you to do deadlifts for three weeks and then he would add another exercise and then he would add another exercise and that was over the period of a year where now you know i have a salt you know i probably have 12 exercises that i was trained to do that i can kind of go back and forth if i if i need to learn another one it is very hard to do by yourself because you're lifting a heavy thing over your head you can't see yourself in all directions um but now that i have that core work i don't need you know i don't have to go back you know every week you don't, you don't have to be married to your trainer uh, for the rest of your life if you're someone out there thinking about that this might be a way you want to go. You can go get the education and then take that with you. And then once you take it with you, you don't necessarily even need the gym. You can work out of your house. You can work at the park, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, that's, but that's uh, not a good thing to say to a personal trainer, is it? I, you have you want to say that you need you uh, every week for the rest no. of your life, right? Yeah, no. but the thing is, though, if you're, if you're, if you're good, you keep them. Like mm-hmm. if you're good and you're constantly showing them the reason why they need to be there, you're good. Like I have, I have uh, four clients right now that I've had for seven years, three times oh, a week. Wow. Wow. They, it's, they know what they're doing. They're doing amazing. They've done amazing things since the start, but it's just, you know, you get the rapport and there's little tweaks we can do. And, um, I believe I'm showing my worth cause they keep coming back. Um, sure. but yeah, obviously it's not for everyone and mm-hmm. it's not long-term for everyone. So, you know, tit for tat. So, works, for sure, for sure. So, I, I've been reading uh, a bit on your blog. Um, did you? So, did your mental health journey really start when you lost um, a parent, or was this something before that? Where does your mental health s- story really begin? It uh, actually started with a uh, bad breakup with an ex about three years before I lost my dad. Uh, yeah, around three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old were you at that really, time? Uh, I was, let's say, 30, 31. It's been about three years of this. Yeah, yeah, let's say 31. I'm 34 now. And, uh, yeah, it was. I don't really talk much about it yet. I haven't pretty sure how I want to handle that part just because there's two of us and uh, I'm not really – we're not talking. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not there to throw her under the bus, but essentially she had, uh, some mental health issues of her own, mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. I knew about. Um, these were diagnosed. She was taking pills, da, 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 da. Um, and then by the time we were going to move apart and I felt I just couldn't do it, uh, some things went down, uh, due to her mental issues of me leaving her. And it was just, uh, I went through about a year of, uh, situations that pretty much made PTSD occur. Um, I had three therapists say you have the symptoms of PTSD. Um, what kind of symptoms? By the end of it, I would walk down the street. Uh, this was during the time, and I would walk down the street. I'm like, we said, I'm tall. I'm six seven, two hundred thirty pounds, ex athlete, still work out, and I would would not be caught dead looking up at anyone's face and having them see me 
I would look down to the left and my whole time, my hands would be rubbing together. Um, just kind of my, my thumb and my forefingers the whole time on both sides. And this would be like a 20 minute walk down the street. And I was just waiting, waiting, waiting to get into my apartment. So I was alone. Um, those things would occur. I would get a, uh, my phone would ring and due to the situation of how she would, uh, how things would come up between us. A lot of it was through phone. And as soon as I heard the phone ring, my heart rate would race. I would start sweating and be like, oh, God, oh, God, what's happening? What's happening? And I'd have to take a look at who it was. And I wouldn't want to look at my phone. Um, stuff like that. Stuff like that. And it would just be daily. It would just be throughout the whole day. found myself just would be showering. And I would just go down to my knees and start crying. Like, what the hell's going on? Why am I like this? Uh, and that was the... Uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD. I can't say exactly what that was at that time, but it was a mixture of all three. But nothing as a child, nothing in your teenage years made you think that, you know, something would be unresolved came from that time. Over, over past years work with therapists and whatnot. Yeah. I've come to a point where I realized that when I was a child, I wasn't as comfortable with my height as I thought it was. So there's definitely was stuff there. Um, looking back on it, especially being an athlete, I also didn't think I was a good athlete at one point. I was great. Well, I got drafted by the Blue Jays, but by the time I got drafted, I was kind of ashamed to get drafted because I didn't, hadn't learned the skills needed to get better. I'd always been riding my, uh, potential and riding my past success. And I was such a tall kid. I didn't have to learn how to practice, learn how to better my skills till I was like 18, 19. While there's other people were learning when they're 12, 13, because they weren't the top of the tier. They weren't doing these things and they were learning how to become better. And I was just gifted and I just wouldn't listen to coaches when they tried to teach me. So I didn't have the tools when I needed them. And at that time, I didn't realize it, but I was embarrassed that I didn't have the tools, but also didn't know how to do it. And I also wasn't as self-analytical of myself as I am now. It's taken me 31 years to kind of look more at what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely some things in the past that came into play later on in life and has been kind of definitely fixtures of why I am who I am today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I've been in therapy eight years, and I would say by... You know, for me, if you asked me this question like four years ago, um, it would not be the same. I like I would say like the last even just two years I've had in therapy have been the most powerful, and like I really start like I feel like I'm seeing the entire That's fantastic, or not maybe not even the entire picture, but like uh, you know, it's kind of like. You know, like this, uh, you know, I think it's easy to go to therapy and say, well, I'll be able to knock it all out in three years and the biggest results are going to be in the first three years. But it doesn't always work that way. For me, it was like peeling back layers, peeling back layers. Okay, now I got the pit and now I can really, you know, do exponentially powerful work um, after I got through enough of the layers. Um so uh so that's what it was for me and if anybody out there is wondering about how therapy will work you know it's different for everybody some people will do with a certain type of therapy emdr or something like that and they can snap something 
in a single session and then other people just take some time and it's all normal depending on who you are yeah um so you had a bad Uh breakup you lost your dad um you had symptoms of ptsd um and you decided to go a bit of an unconventional route and 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 you wrote a, a blog about trying mdma therapy which is not legal yet um, but is showing very robust um, results so far in their phase two st- trials and the phase three, if they're not happening right now, they are about to. Um, how did that happen? How did you find uh, MDMA? Why did you want to try it? Um, what happened was, well, one of the things is that I've done ever since this is essentially once since my father started his fast decline the last six months i decided to take myself to social media and just show the good times and the bad times at that time there are a lot more bad times but i have uh, i don't know it's a kind of angst that social media it's all about you know vacations and the best food you've eaten the best everything i was like man not everything's the best some things are shit and you know what this is my shitty part of my life at the moment I'm not going to throw it on you as if this is my life, but I'm going to show you, you know what, it's downtime and downtimes happen. So I came to a point um, seven months ago or so where I was doing my fitness. I was going to therapy. I was eating well. I wasn't eating a bunch of sugar and carbs that would affect me mentally. I, I was reading. I was journaling. I was meditating. I'm like, these are the things I need to do. And they helped me a lot. But I was still waking up with like no, no joy. I didn't feel happy very often. And to a point where I was like, you know, I'm doing everything I can that I know of. I'm sure I could be doing more, but I don't know what else I can do at this time. And I have these things coming up in my life that I kind of want to be there for. And I need to be, my business needs me to be inspired. And I just need a lot of things. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I have to be here. So I thought, you know what, maybe this is time to get on antidepressants. I then emailed my therapist and she said, I have an appointment for you tomorrow. I'm like, great, because I had to talk to her first because that's what I did. I had to bounce it off or did she agree with me? I went in there and she's like, yeah, I think you uh, definitely need it right now. It's We've been seeing you for two years and we're at this point and sometimes this happens. I'm like, all right, because I hadn't been on antidepressants. I hadn't done anything uh, wise like that so i was mentally committed i'm okay here we go i went to my social media i went to my instagram stories put it out there saying guys i don't want to lie to you all this stuff fitness whatnot it does help and it's helped me but you know what it hasn't completely gotten rid of what i need so maybe i do need to get on antidepressants um i wasn't thinking i'd ever have to get to this point but it looks like i do i got a bunch of replies saying we're proud of you um, I'm doing this, this what my thoughts on it. Here we are. And then I had a couple saying, have you tried other things like LSD, like MDMA going to do a therapy session with these drugs? I'm like, I thought about it, but I'd never actually known anyone where I could reach out to do since it is illegal. You have to kind of be in the know. They don't put those advertisements online for you <laughs> to join them. So, uh, they, I got a contact for a therapist that did it through a friend of mine who'd used her. 
so I trusted my friend and she trusted her and was still friends with a therapist. So she really trusted her because that was one of the things there was no reviews. I couldn't check up on her. Um, and you're using a drug like this. You want to kind of feel like you're in a comfortable space. Uh, reached out to her. We had an f- initial meeting and she's like, yeah, you definitely need my help. <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> slap in the face, but also a good thing. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not wrong here and thinking something needs to be done. And then we set about it and it didn't happen in right away. It's, instead, we had nine therapy sessions prior to it. Wow. Um, and she's a therapist, over, this person? Yeah, yeah, actual therapist. She's done her schooling. Um, she just believes that uh, there's other ways that we can be helped. And uh, that's one of them. And uh, she's worked with some other major doctors. I forget their names at this moment. But I've heard them on podcasts, and they're one of the top leading ones, and she's worked with them before. So she, uh, on her own, and also in a setting where she could be clinically helping other people. Um, so yeah, I did nine sessions, and that wasn't, sorry, the nine sessions weren't with MDMA. Those were just prior therapy sessions. Um, and it was, with those sessions, we had focus on my areas of my father and my ex and how it was affecting me. That was like kind of the focal point on all these sessions, um, how I would feel during them. And everyone, we kind of took a different area. And that's when we started diving into when I was a four-year-old, maybe something is coming up. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with my other therapist, it was kind of like, what's going on with you today? And we kind of talk on the day thing. So that is one thing I found different with this situation was there was a goal to work towards. Who knows if it was going to be the final goal that would save me, but it was the goal that we were going to focus on for these therapy sessions to work on this one big therapy session at the end. And then you know what? After that's done, we find a new goal, Um, which I kind of like. I like having something to look towards. But the uh, therapy sessions were great on the leading up. Uh, They actually helped me a lot. I felt a lot more at ease and I actually felt a lot better even before we even did the MDMA session. Uh, then the day came for the MDMA session and it is a six hour journey. Mm-hmm. We'll just call it, Tell uh, me it about minimum this day. Six set, hours. Set, set this up for me. So, cause, uh, you, you, you wake up and what happens? How are you prepared? Yeah. What, how do you prepare? Do they, you have instructions for the night before? What, what, okay. what do you no, know no. going into it? Full rundown. Uh, so full rundown is we actually, we kind of. The last two sessions of therapy prior, there was a kind of, we talked about the situation and we really dived into what we were going to go over during the major session. That was a start off. And then actually she came, she said, I want it to be in a place you're comfortable in. So we had done all the other therapy sessions at her office. And like, we're not doing here. I want it somewhere comfortable. Um, I'm comfortable in my apartment. It was summertime. It was a sunny day where it was going to be. I have these uh, full floor to ceiling, 15 foot um, glass. So it's all the light comes in. I love light. I'm like, this would be perfect for it. She's like, great. She came over, saw the place the night before, got a vibe for it, understood where I was, understood the energy, the flow, everything there. It's like, okay, so I will see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. And we'll get going. All right. I woke up before and it was pretty funny because I had the last two days, I had these 
three things that would take me probably 20 minutes to do, but I had let them be held back. I hadn't done them. I hadn't done them. I hadn't done them. And that's kind of one of, that's one of the things in the past that would trigger my anxiety because I'd be so angry at myself that I didn't do it and I would just keep pushing off. And this is something that I found out that I used to do when I was 10 years old, that I would just get people to do it for me instead of doing it myself. I would get my mom to do it. I'd get my sister. Then I got my ex to do things. And they would be these ones doing these simple chores that I could do myself, but I just knew they would. So in these last years, I've been like focusing on me doing these things, me, me, me. And it's been very helpful for me mentally and just in life. But these things I didn't do. And it was kind of like my body was going, no, you're not going to be doing this thing because you're going to take away all these walls I've built up for you. And like, those were like three major walls that, and they were, they made me so annoyed and angry. And the final day I'm like, screw it. I'm doing these things. And I checked each one off the list in two hours. And I felt the biggest wave of a relief over me. My like anxiety was done. I wasn't so anxious. I didn't feel so sad. I didn't feel so angry at myself. And I was like, that took nothing. I'm super happy. Then I talked to her and she's like, yeah, that's probably your body just being like, no, don't. You're not going to take this. We're going to hold you back. We're going to hold you back. We're going to hold you back. And I finally succumbed. I took it and I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable. I feel like I have nothing of my old self per se to step back into when I'm done this journey. I kind of wanted to be done the session and have nothing from the past there that I would quickly have to go into again and have that mind thought of, Oh, here I am again, that same old me. So that was a great start for me to get ready for the day. Um, got those done. I woke up in the morning. I had that, I had a great sleep. I was happy. I had these things done. I tidied the house. Cause once again, I was like, I want the place to look good when we're done. I don't know. I'd never done this before. I was like, probably a lot more peeling if it's tidier. Um, and then I just kind of sat around and thought, okay, let's, uh, get going. And she came to the apartment for nine o'clock and yeah, she had some sound bowls and some rose quartz. Uh, not my vibe. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't jump into that realm by myself, but uh-huh. I was totally down to just jump into the deep end and do what she thought I should do. So right. I got would get the full experience. I wasn't just going right. to dip my toe in and pick and choose and say, hey, I want this part. I want that part. Please leave that part out. I'm like, no, whatever you want to do, I'm here to do it. I'll commit. I'll accept whatever you want me to hum or heim or sin, which she didn't make me do anything like that. Um, but yeah, so she had these things and, uh, started off by taking 125 milligram capsule of MDMA, which I don't know if you've partied or your listeners have partied. I've taken MDMA while partying before. And that's essentially just a cap of, uh, MDMA, which you would take as like a night out. It's that's the size of it. Um, as a usual one you would take. Uh, so I took that like 9 30 AM, which was quite a time to take MDMA and, uh, you just lay back, um, put on a night visor. So it's dark and you're not looking around, put a blanket on top of me, 
just so I could feel comfortable, safe, have the weight on me. And she made me hold the uh, rose quartz gems, which I was like, okay, I can hold that. Uh, and then we just kind of sat there and uh, she played the the bowls, which are crazy to sound. It's kind of impressive. That's all I got out of it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I didn't know the time because I had this mask over my face and I couldn't tell the watch. I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I feel like I should say something. Is the mullet kicked in yet? I can't tell. Um, I'm like, oh God. I'm like, say something. I'm like, I think I should say something. She's like, well, what do you think you should say? I'm like, I don't know what to say. It's just, I feel like I should because I should be talking. Am I high yet? And then then I don't really remember how the rest of it went. And then the Molly kicks in. Um, Molly, when it kicks in, you're kind of, you're normal, you're normal. You're feeling really good. That's all it is. There's, it's not a scary feeling. It's not overpowering. It's just at that situation, the sun was brighter. The sun's rays were warmer. I had no walls or barriers around me. That's the biggest thing that I found out from the situation. When you take in the party scene, you have all these other things around you. You have booze, you have females, you have males, you have music. You have all these things taking your attention where you're feeling good, but you have all these other sensories. When you're there doing your therapy session, it's just you. It's quiet. You might not even have your eyes or sensory because you have the mask over you. So it's just you in your head. And it's just you feel this euphoric feeling inside you. And then since you have someone to talk to and someone who knows what your situation is and you can just kind of bounce ideas back and forth from each other, that's essentially what, from what I remember, I don't remember it all. Um, but this the idea was just bouncing ideas back and forth. Why is this happening? What is going on here? Well, I think this. And she said, well, maybe you were thinking this. And I'd be like, yeah, that was a great idea. Maybe I was. And then I would take it down a little bit further. <clears throat> but the ability to take it further is that much easier when you're in this state of mind. Like what kind because of ideas and taking what kind of thing further? Well, the funniest thing was that it wasn't, I didn't, I, I'm assuming 20 minutes was about my father and my ex. Like I thought that was the biggest thing holding me back in life. Nothing was talked about that. That that was not on the forefront of my mind. Forefront of my mind is, yeah, like nothing. Um, a, a little bit after she came with me with this idea afterwards, I'll bring it up at the end. But uh, essentially it was, it really was, there was a lot of talk about my, me growing up as a kid, um, my height and my athlete, being an athlete. I loved it. I still love it. I'm glad I did it. But I really was ashamed a lot because I wasn't as good as I could have been. I kind of failed myself. I think I failed my father a bit. He had did everything for me to help me to get to this position and I did all I could that I knew at that time, but now that I know I could have done so much more if I had the work ethic I have now. It's just one of those things, but I think it's sad there and I couldn't talk. I didn't talk to him. I didn't talk to my mom. Like, and that was, that was like, I was 18. So it's almost 18 more years of that just sitting inside me being ashamed. Um, some other issues were <laughs> I uh, don't have a lot of girlfriends. Um, I haven't had a lot of girlfriends 
long-term relationships and we figured out like when I was in grade four during a Valentine's day, I made a Valentine for a girl, like made it, got paper. My mom helped me. I remember this now during the time, the Molly, I remember this. I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot all about this. And I put like frill lace on it. Like I did everything that I thought a Valentine should be. And I ended up giving it to her. And I was remember being so fucking nervous. Sorry. Can I swear? I did it. Um, I was, I was so nervous and she got it and she looked at it and she showed it to her friend and they both looked and laughed and she says, I don't want this. And this occasion, this event in my life has really changed how I interact with women. And the second thing is because I'm a tall guy, I have muscles, call me good looking, whatever it may be, I model everyone thinks I should be a completely different way than I feel because of this situation has changed my aspect in life. Um, not that I'm rude to women. I just have a hard time showing the emotion that is needed because I'm afraid it will get thrown back in my face like that. Uh, and I just started addressing that at 34. So I apologize to all the women I've been with and have been around me and I've had to deal with that situation and me not telling them. Stuff like that. So just bouncing it. So like that Valentine's Day thing took like probably an hour and a half to get out just because it was hidden away there. And I was just, we were just bouncing ideas going across and like finally like, oh, whoa, hold up. There's this thing. Um, and that's what the MDMA is really good for. It's, I might have brought that up just a regular therapy session, but to be honest, I'm sure you know you do want to be as honest as you can, but there's still some things that you just, you're holding back a bit. You're just like, nah, it's not really that important at this time. I don't know if I really want to get down to that because then or you might we have a, go ahead. For sure. Or, or you might just be, have so much anxiety about this one thing that you think is so super important. Yeah. That yeah. isn't so important, but you're stuck on that thing. And you don't want to talk yeah. about thing, but the thing that you really need to talk about is right behind that. You know, like maybe you yeah. feel ashamed that uh, you, um, I don't know, uh, you uh, didn't feed uh, your girlfriend's dog or something. and uh, But you don't want to tell your therapist about that. But really, there's this whole big other thing that you feel deep shame about, but you can't even talk about, you know, the first thing. So you can't even get to the other thing. And maybe there's a thing behind that. So from what I understand is that sometimes it can allow you to chill out so you can see more of the complete picture. Is that, is that correct? Totally, totally. It's like she said, it's kind of like a sift of the walls. Like MDMA is just kind of like you have these walls, these barriers, and it just sort of sifts them throughout the time. So you can kind of eke your way through it and find these spots which were hidden before behind these other things which you thought were more important also because you know you have like six hours to go through it i'm not thinking like okay i have to get this out of my head it's just like let me just take this one thing at a time here we go here we go because i know i've been in an hour-long session and you know like 40 minutes gone past you're like shit there's something i really want to get to this other thing will hold off the next time where mm -hmm. that other thing was probably the more important thing but you think this one before it is somewhere you should address um right but yeah on mdma you're just like you don't it's easier to get to the real situation because you feel that connection which you probably feel when you're not high but you just don't realize how important that connection is it's right. not so much 
the words look big to you. It's that emotional heartstring pulling on you. You can feel that more in that time just because of the induced state of happiness and emotional feelings you have due to the Molly bringing out your serotonin levels and fucking dumping them in your brain. I believe that's how it goes. So how did you yeah. uh, end the session? It sounds like you were able to look at a more complete picture of what was really going on and what and it sounds like you you got into some more childhood issues and then and then what happened? Yeah, uh I got into a lot of those, yeah, a lot of the childhood issues, a lot of the uh, female issues and those were attacking a lot of other things in my life, like my business and everything else, and that was great. Um six hours came and passed like a blink of an eye um went through I, I believe at the end we went through okay so we've gone over these things what's our game plan forward what are you going to do to kind of maybe you know if you have a problem with females are you going to ask someone out on a date that you wanted to ask out like who are you going to ask out what are you going to do she even got me like pull up my phone and send a text message Hey, do you want to do this? I would do that in the past. And afterwards, I'd be like balking. I'd be like, oh, wait, no, sir. I forgot I have a client that day. You know, just not allowing yourself to sewer yourself after you've made that first step. Um, so we just kind of address those areas. And uh, yeah, that was the end. Just kind of putting putting the first ball into play after figuring out what some things were. What were we going to do that with the next couple of days? What could we do right now that would make it to keep on rolling? Um, and then also it was coming to the end. And what happens when you're coming down on MDMA? You just kind of slowly <laughs> decrease in happiness. And uh, it, your, your, your levels drop. They drop below a point where you're feeling good. Um, that is That just happens. It's the unfortunately in the bad part of mdma the next day essentially especially if you're boozing you are depressed and that is why some people might might not want to do this and i totally get that it's a different feeling especially since there's no alcohol involved you're not hung over depressed you just feel low and to be honest with you this change in this time on mdma was completely different than i've ever felt before I didn't feel low depressed. I just didn't feel here. It was, it's pretty hard to explain, but she said after the session, you most likely will not feel normal for two or three days. And she was correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I obviously it has a bit to do with what the drug does to your chemicals, but I think it's also because he just did six hours of deep explorative thinking on your past life and you came to some pretty profound conclusions that you have to address and assess and figure out how you're going to take them on in this new world. Mm. Um, so what were those conclusions for you and what did you uh, figure out um, that you weren't going to take on? To be honest with you, after the session, I felt like it was just a normal therapy session. I didn't think much had occurred. Like mm -hmm. after the six hours when I was alone, I was like, okay, that was interesting. Um, I'm glad I did it, but I don't know. I don't think I got that much out of it. I, I wasn't literally thinking that. I was like, okay. Um, but uh, the next day we went through, and those things that I'm saying is actually I did three videos during the 
different times and they're in my blog and they kind of show the mental state I'm in better. Um, if people want to see that, I suggest they look at those explains more than me doing right now. And where, where uh, but the things I came to, to you find them? Uh, you can find them on my blog at tallpaul.ca and it's, uh, my story, MDMA of psychotherapy blog. Um, what I came to, I, I came to realize my, my biggest thing was I was afraid to fail, um, due to my mind, everything. I failed at giving that girl a Valentine and she threw it back in my face. So I was afraid to address any other woman in my life, not even women, like friends. I was afraid to create close connection with friends. Um, so there's a lot of areas like that now where I'm working on trying to talk to more people, trying to have more of a connection, try to show I appreciate people, which doesn't sound like much. But for me, that's a huge thing that has been a big barrier and a big thing where I just sit by myself sometimes because I just don't want to have to try to do that. Uh, the second thing is just taking action. Uh, if a thought comes to my head that I want to do something and I think it'd be beneficial for me, uh, either with a friend, a girl or a business move, don't say, okay, I'll decide tomorrow. It's book it, do it right now, sign yourself up, pay the money, whatever it is you need to do, do it now and go. That's all it is. Once again, it sounds simple. It sounds like it shouldn't be an issue, but for me, it was. I would wait till the next day. I'd wait for a better time. I'd try to figure out a friend to go with. I would try. I would use everything in the book just to hold off on me going. And I missed out on a lot of opportunities in life. I missed out on a lot of fun. I missed out on business moves. And ever since then, I have just been going forward and I'm in a place in my business I've never been before. I would have definitely self-sabotaged myself prior to this uh, MDMA session at this time where I'm at if I did it a year ago. Um, and also with the females, it's, I'm reaching out, talking to people, I'm creating just friends and not just girlfriends, but it's just, yeah, I don't feel that barrier that was constantly like, wait, don't do this. Hold up, double check sound in a text message, give them the opportunity to take it out. That would be my thing. I would word it. So I'd give them female, male, business partner, I'd give anyone an opportunity to take the out. If you maybe feel like doing this, I would be happy to maybe join you. So it would be like the most uncertain question. Now it's just like, hey, I'm doing this. I'd love you to join me. I'll see you there. Those things. And it's uh, it's liberating. It's It's fun. It's comfortable. It's a good feeling that I've never really had. And you, are you going for more sessions or is it just the one and done? Um, it's one of those things where you, yeah, you don't do it back to back. Um, she said within six to 12 months, if I felt like it, you can go for it and do it again. Um, as you can tell from me talking to you, it helped me in so many ways of my life. Kind of like you said, if I do good in the gym today, I'll feel better tomorrow. It helped me in ways like that. If I do good at this, like if I go and... Uh, ask this girl on dinner, then what I would do, I ask her on dinner and then I went and made the date and nothing bad happened. And I'd wake up the next morning like, oh, that was great. I had a good time. I feel better. I feel happier. And it helped me get out of the depression, anxiety, because 
I could do these things and not feel shame about myself like I used to. And the shame would then make anxiety and then everything else would tumble down. It was all just small steps moving forward, which worked into the center of me just being happier as a person and more confident in myself, which helped me find my way into a happier place. But as we know, you're living on a fine edge. I just have to keep on balance. Mm-hmm. That that's a, I mean, there are a couple of things I want to highlight here. One, the first that just really sticks out to me is that I hear from people so often, they say, you know, I don't have any trauma. I don't want to look at trauma therapies. Nothing really bad happened to me. But for so many people that I, I talk to that have really profound results, um, not necessarily from MDMA specifically, but from all trauma therapies, I have I have seen a lot of people just have a complete transformation when they first think, ah, you know, nothing happened to me. They try a trauma therapy and they discover something really similar to what you found with the Valentine. Um, you know, they find, you know, I was bullied uh, in third grade or, um, you know, mom and dad had that argument where dad got, you know, way too hot and pushed mom. And, you know, I knew, you know, I, I didn't mm-hmm. think it was that big of a deal. But, I, I, you know, when I think about it from, you know, my five-year-old perspective, that was the most scary thing that ever happened to me. And when some people go to trauma therapy and they find something like that, something that they didn't think was traumatic, it can be a game changer very quickly. So the, the, I love this. I love your story because, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell this story to so many people because I hear all the time when I say, well, you know, you're having, you know, when I see, um, kind of, uh, just, I, I see my friends acting with kind of PTSD kind of symptoms, whether they're like hypervigilant or they're just panicking over something that doesn't make total sense or like they just have that edge of fight or flight. And I'm, I, I, you know, and, and I'm always saying, well, you know, you might want to look to see what happened. It might not be just that there's no trauma. It might be a trauma that you don't recognize. Um, because a lot but of, as we, we know, we, it's hard to convince people to do something they don't want to do. Well, no, yes, and I wouldn't. I don't try to convince anybody of anything who isn't looking for help. Um, but there are people who do who are like on this quest with us, but they just they won't even go in the trauma direction because they're like, ah, everything okay, was perfect. Okay. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. but no, yeah. If someone doesn't yeah. want help and someone doesn't want to get better and they are on the path of self-destruction or just staying on the path that they're at, you know, that's where they're going to be. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, but the second thing th- that I've really been thinking about is that when to push, you know, and in the mental health world, I think, you know, the conversation, which is just so in its infancy, we really talk a lot about, you know, letting everything be and having empathy and whatever it is, it's okay. But there are times where you have to push through a fucking depression, get your ass out and that will give you your chances for the better day. And I've just been thinking about this lately where, cause I'm in Seattle. I don't have a lot of friends here. And if I want to have a good weekend, I have to ask someone to go dancing to see if I can make a, have a good night so I can have a better day tomorrow. And you know, it's, it just, it helps my, it helps the chances of having a better day. It doesn't necessarily make me have a better tomorrow, but it gives me like, I don't know, 60, 40 odds versus like 30, mm-hmm. 70 odds. 
And uh, that's something I've been thinking about. A better chance than you'd have if you didn't. Exactly. And I just have every weekend now I am making it where before I just be like, you know what? I feel crappy. I'm not going to push to try to make something happen. I'm just going to let it be. You know, I'm just really been experimenting with pushing, not like pushing till like I'm like falling apart and exhausted, but just like get out the door and do something fun. I'm every weekend. I'm trying to do one or two things to really create that for myself. That's great. And I agree with you. And then as me being, I don't like saying an advocate. I really don't. Cause I just try to think I'm a regular guy that is finding his way. And if I can help you find your way a bit, then I'm happy. Um, I would like to, as you can tell, I'm pretty to the point at times. So it's hard when you don't know the person exactly, but when I hear someone on Twitter and they keep, you know, they say something like 10 times in a row, it's like, yo, stop. Think about what you're doing. What if you tried to push yourself in this one area just to teeter the leverage on that other side a little bit, just to kind of push yourself off balance, but make yourself think. And I think it's a tough one because we don't know the situation they're in and anyone in the world, our friends, whatever it may be on. But sometimes people do need a kick in the ass. Just, you know what, if you feel like you can take it right now, let's push it there. And it's, Great that if someone can see it themselves, it's really hard to see it yourself. You like for you to do that, that's awesome. But usually, most people would need a therapist to be like, "Hey, you should try doing this." Because what I've heard over the last twenty sessions is you just want to be around people more. So try to go be around people, and if that's what it takes. But as you and I have gone through these things, we can kind of see a bit more of a tendencies and people's things going through. And it's like I would love to have more be able to help more people to see what you just saw um i don't know where i'm going with this one i just it's a tough one right i wish we could help people more and be like not a hard ass but hey just try to do something like that and if it doesn't go well you know what you tried and you're a better person for trying but if you don't try you're never gonna know for sure and i, I mean and then there's so see much- that for themselves there's so much nuance in this conversation and it is just so young. I didn't have any kind of access to yeah. this conversation when I started getting sick, you know, and the yeah. conversation is just such in its infancy. And, you know, it doesn't work to say, well, if you're depressed, you just need to kick in yourself in the ass and yeah. go out because there are times yeah. where that's going to give you a panic idea. attack and it's a terrible idea. But if you're like, I'm kind of lonely and I don't feel great and I don't know what to do and I'm kind of ruminating but you're not in crisis, you know, you might just need to eat a whole bunch of protein, work out, and then, you know, ask someone to go out to go see a show with you or go dancing or do something you love to do. And, uh, you know, you, you got you have to figure out how to figure out when that time is and when it's not, but you'll get there. And, uh, you know, we have to keep having this conversation with all the nuance in it. Um, so other people can figure it out. So there is a point of reference. We don't, we didn't even have a point of reference like a few years ago. It's so new. True. True. That's it. Uh We just have to keep talking. So, uh, but you know, you know, there's not, I mean, I, you get, I've, I think I've listened to three podcasts where you get asked this question, but, or, or something about this question. But like, I have to tell you, even for someone who has a podcast, it's impossible to find men to talk about this. (laughs) What's, 
A lot of men don't like talking about mental health. How come you want to talk about mental health? Uh, really, to be honest with you, the, <laughs> the thing it keeps coming back down to, uh, when my ex and I were going through a bad time, her uh, her way of healing and helping herself feel better was to make me hurt 10 times more than she was hurting. And at one point, that was throwing a picture of my um, genitals up on her Facebook Oh my God. Saying, yeah. So I, uh, before that, I was worried about anyone figuring out, finding out anything. I was worried about anyone, um, hearing this, me don't like, I was worried about everything that what might happen in this situation. I was with her that happened. Uh, it was up for, I don't know, an hour or something until someone messaged me saying, Hey, this is going. And somehow I got it off. I forget how that happened. But from it, I realized, you know, I got no negative feedback. No one said what the hell's wrong with that thing. No one said da da da. If anything, I had people reaching out to me and I had girls saying da 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 da. Like no, nothing negative came from it. And like, think about one of the worst things you could think of is having your private parts out on social media. Like, that could be right now. That is actually a, a, a law. Like I could have take, I could take it to court. Like I believe it's an actual law. You can't, that's a, you can't do that. But yeah, it's like for an actual me, nightmare. Learned, like, <laughs> like the nightmare yeah, we all have. Actual nightmare. You went through the, the nightmare. nightmare. I went through it. I went, and, but the thing is I went through far, far worse than that, which was the real nightmare. And I realized there's nothing wrong. Like you can put anything out there to the world. And you know what? Someone might hate you for a second, but you know, they don't know you. And majority of the people, 90 won't hate you. They'll think you're stronger for taking it and stronger for dealing with it. And after that, I was like, fuck, I'm going to put this out here. If I'm crying, I'm crying. If I'm doing them this, nothing can be worse than what happened there. And just over time, I've just gotten so just comfortable because it has actually been therapeutic for me to go out there and uh, say my piece so just me saying my piece but then it's also super positive and inspiring when people message me saying thank you for this i watch you i'm from germany i'm from wherever in the world and thank you for your blog so yeah there's and as we're seeing with like trump and everything like you can't once a 24-hour news cycle rolls, rolls over everyone mm-hmm. forgets no matter what it is well, maybe so not. Really is. Whatever. There are some, still a few things that you can't do. But in general, if it's a you know emotional few. vulnerability, no one if gets canceled for emotional vulnerability. No. <laughs> yeah, no one gets if canceled for emotional vulnerability. One hundred percent. If it's a lane we're talking about, no one is going to hate you after twenty-four if they don't like it. Most likely, they'll love it and respect you for doing it. And yeah, so that was really my catalyst. <laughs> Um, any other words of advice for people just starting this journey? They're feeling funky or maybe they just got out of the hospital, you know, what would you do to save people time? Uh, yeah, of course, try to do something to better your day by better day is just make yourself at the end of the day feel like, you know what? I got checked one thing off my list, my mental list or actually writing a list down, depending what space you're in. Some days that one thing for me was just to wake up shower, have my hot lemon water and meditate for 10 minutes. If I did that, that was a win in the morning. If the rest of the day went to shit, it went to shit because that I know I had that one win. And then tomorrow I can maybe meditate two minutes longer or do one more thing after that. Just one tick deeper each time. But the thing is, if your day is so bad, you can't do that. 
then that happens. Just as one day out of the next how many thousand of your life, roll with it, deal with it, just let it come. Here we are. It sucks. It's going to suck for the rest of the day. But you know what? I can try that thing in the morning again tomorrow, and I might just get it. I might just be on a better foot tomorrow. Really, day to day, don't overassess things. And obviously, go see a therapist if you're in a bad spot. Don't be ashamed. And, I mean, the thing that you're saying, though, like, you're already talking like someone that knows how to take care of themselves. And, like, when I got sick, I the only thing I did to take care of myself was be to, like, work 80 hours a week, which is not taking care of yourself. But that was, like, my <laughs> one drive. And I've got to say, every patient that I know who has gone from struggling who has gone from disability, who has gone from being in and out of the hospital, or, or has just gone through just immobilization, who is now thriving, we all have our stuff. We all have, like, our our kit, you know. Um, you know, for me, that's a whole food diet. It's meditation. It's exercise. Um, and it's learning, you know, boundaries, um, and, and learning how to have healthy relationships along with my amino acids that help me go to sleep at night. Um, I didn't have any of that, you know? So just the conversation of like, if you're really depressed, the step one is that you have to learn how to take care of yourself. That is a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm glad you even said you have your amino acids. Like it's just something that works for you. Yeah. Um, like I said, my hot lemon water in the morning works for me. Mm. If I don't have that, I can actually know that some point in the day I'll feel like, Shit, God, mm -hmm. if something's going wrong, I'm going to go get myself a hot lemon water because it also becomes a placebo effect. It becomes mm -hmm. that thing that I know is good for me. So I'm going to do it. And if I miss it, dang, I need to get that in. Um, I was lucky though. I, a lot of this stuff is I take from my sports days and my right. lifting in the gym like you just take care of yourself if you want to get fit mm -hmm. you take care of yourself if you want your brain to get mentally healthy they fall in the same line and they can't happen tomorrow trust me three six nine months years two years you're not going to look like arnold schwarzenegger in a day you're <laughs> not going to be completely sanely happy in the best part of your life after a week mm -hmm. just go with the flow day to day and just do something to better yourself. So a month from now, you'll be 30 days better than you were before. I had a specialist once tell me, um, there, I just, I, I got just frustrated with being, uh, having my physical, um, body, not where I wanted it to be. Um, and I was telling her, look, I, I don't know what to do. I want, I need to go back to work. I'm not ready. I don't, and she said, um, you know what, Jesse, you know how you got sick? You're like, yeah. So how long did that take for you to go from, you know, producing, <laughs> yeah. you know, three television series uh, a year to uh, being disabled? How how long was that process? And I'm like, I don't know, three, four, five, six years. She's like, that's what the trajectory is going to be like when you're getting better. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I had like a wave of anxiety, just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's just what it is. It's you know, awful. you're yeah it, it takes rome was not built in a day you know as a cliche yeah. it's a cliche for a reason yeah um i want to ask you so you went right to the mdma how come you didn't try uh, antidepressants first or did you even get there 
I didn't want to. Uh, I my ex had used them and was using them um, when I was with her, and I have nothing against them. I saw what they did. I, I just I had a vacation. I had my dad's first year um, of his passing. A month after that, like weeks after that, I had his good friend's funeral, and then three weeks after that, I had my aunt's funeral, and. I looked at the time schedule and with how long it takes for depressants to kick in, if you get the right kind and if you, and there's all these ifs and I understood that I was like, man, I can't mentally have, if I'm not in a good place from the antidepressants and they're actually making me worse and this is going on. Oh, I, I just didn't. And I was going on a month long journey in Europe and I didn't want to be completely out of it. There was a whole bunch of things coming up that I just didn't want to touch it. And I wanted to mm-hmm. try to see if I could find something else first. If it didn't work, I'd be like, yep, yeah, 100%. Let's go see a doctor. But mm-hmm, I, uh, mm-hmm. at this time, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not on that path anymore. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I mean, that that's a thing people don't know is that even – I mean, I, the, the, this platform is not anti-meds. I'm not shy about my experience no, where no. I tried. Literally, no. I, it must have been 30 and they none of them made me better for more than a couple of weeks. There was, I was worse off every single time. But even and you know, and I'm, I did not have a normal experience. I'm also not shy about that. Like most people do not experience what I experienced. That said, it's really common to get on the even if they are a treatment that ends up working for you. It's really common to get worse before you get better, or just because you're on the wrong one. So, you know, I don't try to talk people out of it at all. But what I do say is like, you know, get the support you need in case that does happen. Because if you're not prepared for it, you don't have the support for it. If you're already kind of in a rocky situation, it can be real, you know. Um, Not that anybody should delay on getting help based on anything I'm saying whatsoever. You know, listen to your medical professional. But at the same time, if you're starting meds, you really want to consider, you know, ensuring that you have the support however you can yeah yeah so that was that um what kind of meditation do you do for uh, all the meditation nerds out there i i'm i i shouldn't even talk on it uh the most i was doing when i was super depressed and uh, when i was starting to create my morning routine which you can also find on my blog i think it's a very beneficial blog that everyone should have their own morning routine i don't want to get into it. it's a super long one but you should create something that you can do within 60 minutes just to give yourself that base every morning you can do to achieve to get it um mm-hmm. i was doing 20 minutes max at that time i have currently probably got down to five or seven minutes Okay. Uh, my, my focus right now, my business is going so well. I work good in the morning. I just have my morning routine is still there. That part is just cutting down quite a bit. I have plans in the future to build it up or build up a meditation period sometime else in my day. Cause I just don't seem to want to do it at that time. Got it. So, uh, but it sounds like you have this other ritual that isn't meditation necessarily, or it's a piece of it. Um, you said you don't want to talk about it, which of course makes me want to talk talk more about it, uh, (laughs) which is your morning ritual. Can we end with this idea of a morning ritual, um, and why that's important for you? Yeah, I used to, I think like majority of the world wake up as late as I could before I had to leave the house, before I could 
throw on a quick pot of coffee or not even just put together a protein shake, shower, run out with my hair still wet in just a total frenzy and forget things and be like, oh my God, my brain is like, what did you just do to me? You just woke up seven minutes ago. And I realized uh, this was, yeah, after my dad passed and I was taking a month off of work and I was like, man, my days suck, but my mornings seem to be the only time where I'm kind of with it and I can kind of think straight. So why don't I try to optimize my mornings by giving my brain the most amount of time to do what it needs to do before I step into the world and become shy, shut down, hide and go back to my bed. So uh, listening to Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan podcasts, all my last entrepreneurial years, um, hearing things like, you know, don't open your phone, hot lemon water, coffee, fasting, meditation, journaling had already been in my head. And I was like, well, how do I put these together so that I can do it in a way that I like? And I, uh, yeah, I came up with my morning routine of waking up. I have to shower personally. It wakes me up. If I don't shower, I'm a grumpy and I just feel gross. Um, shower, then hot lemon water while I read a bit. Usually a entrepreneurial type book, learning about someone or something that will get me better. That's about 10 minutes. Then turn on the hot water pot to get the water boiling. And as it's doing that, I'm meditating for my now current seven minutes in the past 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, then while I sip my coffee to start off, I am journaling, writing down things that happened the day before, things I want to do this day. And actually, I just added something in within the last month. I do gratitude, which I never thought I would do. So after uh -huh. I meditate, I open my eyes. And before I do anything, I'm like, thank you full for being alive. I don't ever think I'm going to die. It's just I believe something you should say. I'm not religious. I just say it and I stuck to saying it and I say it now and I feel like it's the first thing I should say. Then I go and say, like, thankful for this view I have. I'm thankful for having a good day yesterday where I didn't let my anxiety get the best of me. And after a half hour of it, I found my way out and I achieved this thing in my business. I wrote this blog. I'm thankful for today to have this meeting I'm going to have later on and go on this podcast to talk to more people. Uh, and then after that, I kind of think of how my day is going to go so I can plan it out in my head, almost my own calendar in my head, just so I can feel more comfortable when things do come up and I don't feel so lost. And then I'll finally turn on my phone. But the idea of it is, is just let my brain work, let my brain do what it needs to, to slowly come into the world and also address the areas where it sometimes gets, um, a little bit frazzled on. So address the areas of, you know, my work, the schedule, if it's too busy for the day, show myself it's not too busy. So it's, I have it planned out and I'm confident what I can do. Uh, and then jump into Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just let everything just go crashing down. <laughs> I, I i struggle i don't know if i struggle i mean i think i do more of a morning routine than i realize because i do meditate sometimes i don't meditate always first thing in the morning but probably usually i do i drink my coffee i write my to-do list for the day but i think i might add some of yours i think i'm going to start doing the gratitude and you know i think i just need to like make it more of a thing where it's like i need to do that because I, I haven't even really paid attention to it like how many of my bad days do i have because i didn't start with my stuff um, yeah and i don't even know and but yeah, now that I, you said I, that i'm thinking about it 
Yeah, and you might, because I do notice if I don't have time, like it's rarely. If I have to wake up 5 a.m., I will wake up at 3.30 so I could get my hour morning routine in. Like I will make mm. sure I do it. Um, mm-hmm. so don't get me wrong. Some days there's, you know, one out of every 90 days something will happen. Mm-hmm. I will feel different for the first three hours 100%. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will just feel different. Not bad, not there, just a little off. Like something didn't happen. Okay, last last question. What do you eat to feel good? And if you don't eat that way, does that does it really make a difference, Tall Paul? Oh my God, yo, it. <laughs> I do, yes, it's, it's insane. I hate it because I'd love to eat more cake, cookies, and everything. <laughs> I personally have noticed. I when I was getting out of depression, um, feeling a lot better in my days. I could self induce it by eating too much sugar, and mm, it would. Really? I would self induce depression I, the feeling where i'm like oh my god i just want to kind of lay in my bed yeah and just sit there and kind of flick through my phone even though i know i have these things to do and i usually am motivated and inspired to write this but i just don't have it for this 45 minutes that mm-hmm. would be because i filled my gut with comp- shitty carbs and sugar and it would take that long it would take a couple hours to digest and then i might be able to go out and do something mm-hmm. um and no yeah, doubt that's connected. I, it really, Zero doubt. A hundred percent it's connected. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make myself fat. That's not like, I understand people are like, I'm so angry at myself for eating this because it got away from my goals. For me, it was I'm angry because I eat it because it made my mind feel like crap and it's working against me now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, complex carbs, getting something in there that your body can digest. Quinoa, rice. Protein, um, baby protein potatoes yams um protein however you want i'm doing a lot of vegan stuff these days and actually i feel good for it i'm what not are you doing for protein? vegan boat uh what do i do for protein actually i don't get a lot of protein in. really I, do, I have a protein okay. shake yeah not uh-huh. really really my first protein meal is probably like because i fast so i break my meal fast at 11 a.m and that's just with oatmeal and fruit um yeah, no, I get I get a steak or a piece of chicken or a piece of fish a day, uh, uh-huh. and the rest is a protein shake, a thousand calorie protein shake, probably like sixty Whoa. grams of protein. Oh wow! Um, I, In one shake, you got I sixty that. grams. Yeah, I essentially I drink that so I can stay level. That's not even growing. That's me just staying at two thirty. No I'm shit. Big boy. What shake is that? Yeah. Sixty grams of protein. Now, I forget the name of it. 60 grams. It's really clean, so it doesn't hurt my stomach because there's a, you know, it's like 1,000, it's 1,200 calories after I put my peanut butter and everything else in it. Um, I forget what it's called. It's a real clean uh, carb, though, so it doesn't mess with your gastrointestinal system. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I think I have like 10 more pounds to lose, but I'm also doing the intermittent fasting, so I'm like... But come spring, I'm going to have to figure out some shakes because a lot of days I'm still only doing like 1,500 calories. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm going to have to figure that out eventually, sometime next year probably. Good. Okay, anything else you want to say to the uh, the fine no. people here? Anything we glossed over? No, I just want to say thank you for listening to me. Um, definitely get help if you need to. I'm not against antidepressants. I just found another route to take. Yeah, I'm um, not against also, them either. Don't 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 be afraid to try things. You don't know until you try. I'm not saying try things that are detrimental to you, but trying anything in a day. You can't get better if you don't test the waters sometimes when you feel confident enough to test the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, how is your favorite hockey team doing? Are they going to make the no, uh, playoffs we this year? Told, you told me we weren't going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> playoffs or no playoffs, Tall Paul? No, no playoffs. Didn't Bozier get hurt? You can't even start or something like that? I, I don't, don't know. know. You don't have any Sedin twins, so you can only do better this year is my, uh, hey, those, my, my approximation. Are, that's the only guys I actually knew. I don't know any of these new kids. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find your stuff one more time in case they uh, waited to the end to drop it, to to write it down? Thank you. Uh, You can find me. Please go read my blog if you guys have some ideas, if you want to learn something about fitness and also just areas where mental health might affect you. That's at www.tallpaul.ca. I'm a Canadian, so it's .ca. Um, Tall Paul's Life on Instagram and Twitter. And also, we didn't talk about this much, but that's fine. Never Alone, my clothing line is coming out where every piece will be giving a percentage of it towards charity. I'm still working on it. You can find out more on my website and the new website for actual Never Alone clothing will be up in a few months. Fantastic. Send me uh, send me those links and uh, I'll put them all in the show notes. So wherever people are listening to the podcast, they have easy access to that. And uh, we'll post some of your writing as well over on my account on Twitter over at Zookman at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. And uh, yeah, come join the party. Um, thank you so much for your time, Tall Paul. And uh, yeah, I'll see you online. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast, the mental podcast. Um, for more information on the podcast and to contribute and make a tax deductible donation, head over to mentalhealthmedia.org um, where you can check out all of the pods, check out our articles, uh, make a contribution, and get linked to our social. Um, the biggest social channel while we're uh, getting launched is my personal social on Twitter. My Twitter feed is at Zookman, at Z O O K M A. N-N at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N that's Zookman Zookman um, and uh, yeah just a disclaimer as always nothing on the podcast is medical advice or medical care um, if you're going to make any changes to your treatment plan you got to talk to your licensed medical professional and that's not me and that's not anybody on the podcast so with all sincerity um, you know be careful take care of yourself Don't make these changes on your own. It's a recipe for disaster. And that is the last thing I want, um, you know, to come out of this work is people doing stuff on their own. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your licensed medical health care practitioner. Don't go off on your own and do a bunch of stuff. You're going to mess yourself up. Just don't do it. Special thanks um, to Tom Trottier, to Tamara Broadhead, to Patrick Mohan, um, who helped uh, bring you uh, the podcast today, as well as all of our GoFundMe contributors. I am super dyslexic, um, and uh, you know what? I mess names up. I mess names up of people like I'm related to, so... Um, You're going to have to bear with me. I super apologize. Um, I'm just going to do first names because uh, if I try to do last names, it's just this is going to become like uh, just some kind of, you know, sadistic uh, listening of me mess up people's names and apologize for 
it's just going to be terrible if I try to do full names. Maybe someday we'll do it, but I just can't. So, AV, thank you. Phil, Patricia, Lauren, Colin, Marilyn, Alex, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cass, thank you so much, Sean and Cass. Um, Jim, super appreciate you. Um, Uncle Stu, thank you. Um, David, thank you so much. Judy, I really appreciate your help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Patrick, you're the man. Always see you on Twitter. Patrick is the man. Stephanie, my good friend. Thank you so much. Tim, you're the man. Thank you. Handy, Handy, thanks so much for reaching out and supporting the project. Gene, really appreciate you. Bob, thank you, thank you. Jackie, really appreciate you helping. Um, Sophia, Give me a shout, Sophia. Waiting for you. Give me a shout. Hope you're good. And Johnny, 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 thank you for supporting the GoFundMe. You can support the GoFundMe and uh, help make a future for mental health media over at mentalhealthmedia.org. All donations are tax deductible. So you know, if you give uh, 100 bucks, that's like $33 back. I guess it depends on your income level and... You know, I guess if you're super rich, it might even be more than 33%, right? So if you're a person that has a whole bunch of shekels, hey, you might uh, you might get like a two-for-one. Two-for-one mental health impact with a tax write-off. So whether or not you have a bunch of shekels or a half of shekel, um, please do what you can if you want to see this work supported. I want to keep bringing it to you. Just got to pay the rent, keep the lights on while we get out the door. So thanks, everybody. Um, I'll see you on the Twitter machine um, during the week. If you have any questions, give me a shout. Or uh, give Tall Paul a shout. Big thanks to Tall Paul. Thank you, Tall Paul. Maybe I should put that earlier. But, uh, you know, Tall Paul is probably listening to the end of the podcast. So this is a special hidden thank you for Tall Paul being on the podcast and sharing his wisdom. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, and our non-binary friends, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Stay strong out there. Take care of yourselves. Check in with each other. And uh, I'll see you next week. Zai Gesundheit.